0: Hello and welcome back to the IAU podcast featuring athlete interviews and in this episode I'm joined by Megan Alvarado from Team USA. Megan ran her first 24-hour race in November 2014 and covered a distance of 197.148 kilometers which is a very respectable distance for a debut at the event and she has since improved on her 24-hour distance and in January 2018 She ran a very impressive personal best of 236.364 kilometres. And in the same year, she won the USA 24-hour national championships. Would that be right? That is correct. And Megan was on the team that represented the USA in the 24-hour world championships in Albi, France back in 2019. Megan, welcome to the podcast. And before we start talking about the running, what might you be doing now at this moment if you weren't talking to me?
1: I would probably be walking and working on my treadmill.
0: That sounds very exciting. Uh,
1: You know, you got to live the life to get.
0: When you say walking on your treadmill, that's a treadmill desk.
1: Yes, yes.
0: Now, you're the first person that I've ever spoken to that has used a treadmill desk. How do you stay concentrated on the work and the walking at the same time? Is that an easy thing to do?
1: You kind of just get in a groove. I don't go very fast. It's like three to 3.2 miles an hour. Um, You kind of just get in a groove and walk and move and work all at the same time.
0: Are you on a treadmill at the moment?
1: No, I am not.
0: Okay. As I mentioned, your first ultramarathon was back in 2014, or I think that was your first ultramarathon. What were you doing previous to that year?
1: Um, That, I think, was my first 24-hour uh, ultra marathon. Um, I ran a few hundred milers before um, 2014. Um, and I, I started pretty young. I was 21 when I started uh, ultra running.
0: And what were you doing previous? Were you a marathon runner?
1: No, I, I graduated from college. Um, I actually met my now husband uh, training for my first marathon uh, right when I got out of college. And he was training for his first 100 mile race. And so, as love would have it, I wanted to spend every moment with him. And he actually got me into ultra running. Um, I ran my first marathon, 50K, 50 miler, and 100 miler all within a year of each other. I had definitely caught the ultra bug.
0: I'm just wondering now was he a good influence or a bad influence?
1: <laughs> I'm going to say good influence.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. We, we leave that bit in. So. He was your introduction to ultra running, but were you involved in sport when you were in college or in your younger years?
1: I ran cross country and track in high school, um, but I didn't do it in college. It was too much um, to be focused on uh, learning my career versus uh, running as well. So, um, yeah, I I took a step back in college and just exercised to stay in shape, but didn't
0: Now, seeing as you more or less came straight into ultra running, what would you think are the qualities needed for an ultra runner?
1: I think you need to have a bit of stubbornness and determination um, in your personality, because if you don't want something with your whole heart, you're going to stop when it starts to hurt. Um, And I think there's a a level of needing to test your abilities and needing to test your limits um, to see how far you can go. Um, I've always wondered how far I can push my body um, in different avenues. And so ultra running is a good outlet for that.
0: And would you think yourself to be competitive?
1: Yes, I'm very competitive, um not not only um, with others, but with myself as well. And I think that's uh, a good comp- a good quality to have in ultra running because, if no one else is on the track with you and in training you have to push yourself to be better
0: and were you competitive when you started ultra running or did the competitiveness develop because i i find that with some people they start off doing their sport as a hobby and then when they start to improve at it they enjoy it a bit more and they start doing a bit more and they put more effort into it and then the competitiveness comes out so it can take some people a while to actually shine did you bring a competitive nature into the sport
1: not initially no Um, my first 100 miler I was second to last and it took me 37 and a half hours to finish Um, and so I think learning how to train and learning that uh, the curve and how to run ultras Um, it definitely started off as a hobby just to see if I could do it, just to see if I could finish, um, an ultra marathon. But I think once I learned that the longer I go, the better, the better I am at it. Um, the competitiveness started to come out and wanting to do better, be faster, go farther kind of thing.
0: You seem to have a talent for 24-hour racing, but would that be your chosen discipline or would you prefer the mountains?
1: uh, both, both call my name. Um, I have learned that I can't train for both at one time. And so I need to be very specific in my training. Um, but I do miss mountain racing when I'm training for 24 hour running. Um, just because you can see so many beautiful sights that you wouldn't be able to see if you weren't putting in the training and you weren't climbing those mountains. Um, Whereas the track, you see the same thing for 24 hours, and it's nice. There's no logistics needed, but um, I I think it's very different, and I think my heart goes to both.
0: Your first 24-hour race, was that on a track or on the road?
1: It was a road course. I think it was a mile-long loop, I believe.
0: And before you went into that race, having come from the mountains, what were you thinking it was going to be like, how did you feel you were going to cope mentally? Because as you said there, when you're in the mountains, you have that beauty all around you, the distractions. When you're running on a one-mile loop, the only scenery you have really is the other competitors, and you get pretty sick of seeing them after a while, don't you? (laughs) You know, and there's only so much you can say to somebody over 24 hours, especially if it's as short as a one-mile loop. So that must be quite tough mentally. How do you deal with that?
1: Um, I usually, and especially in my beginning, 24 hour runs, I would chat with other runners, um, try to find somebody the same pace ish as me and pull each other along. Um, I've definitely used music. Um, but I also think that my brain just kind of gets into a groove and you just kind of click through, um, all those miles and you just get into a groove and you just keep going.
0: You've distracted me now with the music, so I'm curious to know what you listen to.
1: Um, I have an eclectic range. Um, some oldies in there, some uh, dance music, some new stuff. Um, very, very eclectic range of what's on my Spotify playlist. And would
0: you change your playlist to go with the actual race you're doing?
1: No, I... It, I think it is what it is.
0: I'll probably shuffle. How do you feel when you're running a slower pace in a 24 hour race and something of a fast tempo comes on?
1: You know, I think it helps my mental mood versus uh, pacing. Uh, just keeps me more upbeat. Because if I'm if I'm grabbing for music in a 24 hour race, it's usually because I'm hitting some kind of a low um, and I need a, a mental pick me up. And usually if I do have that fast music, I'll usually do speed work to it. And so it'll kind of get me
0: into a different mindset. Okay. So you won't be listening to classical music when you're doing a 24-hour race. No. No. Okay. okay. So a, <laughs> a bit of light rock. Because I remember a couple of years back, I was on a, a longish run and I had an old iPod shuffle and I forgot the the music that was on it. And I found that my run was changing to the beat of the music. So if a hip hop track come on, I was almost running backwards and then with reggae, I was nearly sinking into the ground. And then all of a sudden, the rock tracker come on, and you're, you're racing the traffic. So I did find that the music could be a, distra- a distraction in a good way and then also in a bad way. So I'm always curious to know what people listen to. Uh, I haven't actually listened to music in a while, but uh, yeah. I'm, I might check out your playlist at some stage. Now, I was going to ask, well, what do you do outside of running to relax?
1: Um, I am a huge Netflix and chill kind of person. Um, as long as I get my training in, I don't mind sitting and relaxing on the couch. Um, I also have three uh, Brittany Spaniels who need a lot of attention and love. So sometimes I'll take them on walks or play with them in the backyard.
0: That's a busy day.
1: It is a busy day, yes. Now
0: I'm curious about Netflix. What is the last show you watched on Netflix?
1: Um... We're currently watching Canine Companion. It's a about a trainer who trains dogs. Okay. Um, our, we, we have a little baby on the way, so it's good to pick up some dog training chips along the way to make our dogs behave a little bit better for when the baby comes. You hope. <laughs> we hope,
0: yes. Okay. Well, maybe you can get the dogs on the treadmill.
1: we tried.
0: Okay, okay. What motivates you to go out each stay and train or, or even run?
1: Um, I'm very much self-motivated. I think I run a lot for my own mental health and to keep everything, uh, pretty stable on that end. Um, but it does definitely help to have races lined up right now. I, I have my eye on the 2023, uh, world championships and making the 2023 us team. Um, so that's a something in the back of my mind that I want to get back to running so I can train for that kind of thing, but all in due time. Cause that's not going to happen quite yet.
0: With my question there, when I said go out running or go out training, I differentiated there. So would you run just for the sake of running or is it always something specific as in training that you're always following a plan?
1: Oh, I would, I run just for the sake of running. Um, when I do have races, I have a specific plan that I try and follow. Um, just because structure does me well. But um, like I said, I'm pregnant now and I I run just because I enjoy it and it keeps me happy and healthy.
0: And do you find that the exercise is helping with the pregnancy or the pre- is the pregnancy making that a little bit more of an effort?
1: It's a little bit more of an effort now these days. I definitely have to listen to my body more. Um, I think us as ultra runners, we kind of just numb out everything that we feel and with pregnancy you can't do that Um, you need to listen to your body and respect it if it needs a down day or just a walking day
0: I was talking to an athlete recently who was also pregnant and still training and we were just saying how there's not a lot of research that has been done on ultra runners with regards training so it's quite interesting so you're you're really I suppose just going by feel and Learning as you're going, and maybe somebody else will be learning from what you're doing.
1: Definitely, definitely. I I spoke with Ali Venti a lot um, before and while I was early in pregnancy to see what she did when she was pregnant. Um, and it, it, the biggest thing is just listening to your body. Um, because I was training at a high level beforehand, I was. My doctors have cleared me to continue running as much as I feel comfortable um which has gone down now that i'm in the third trimester but um as long as i'm comfortable and i don't feel cramping or um any weird feelings then i'm good to go
0: and you're experienced enough to not uh, not just listen to your body but know what it's saying to you so that that's in its way yeah. is it's it's not like somebody just starting to exercise now to keep himself fit and healthy Right. you are an athlete, and this is part of your process. Yeah, that's it it's it's all natural. How was your diet? Like, what importance would you put to nutrition?
1: Um, I think nutrition is very important. I know what works for me probably won't work for other people. Um, I do think I've been pretty low carb uh, in the, in my training process to help with GI issues. Um, I think that's helped overall in 24-hour running, but I know that won't work for other people. And I've also learned that I can only do liquid nutrition, so I I rely solely on tailwind uh, when I race and when I train just because of stomach issues that I've had in the past.
0: GI issues seem to be a big issue for a lot of people, and I, I notice that especially with the 24-hour running that stomach is something that can let so many people down and no matter how well you train your your legs, the heart and lungs, it's your stomach that can cause the problem. And that does seem to be a big issue. But you're saying you've you've trained yourself, and you know exactly what works for you. Would you have any advice on that? Like, how do you train with the food?
1: Um, so I when I am training, I rotate between fasted runs and doing runs with um, all the tailwind. Um, so trying to make sure that my gut is trained um, to take in the calories over the hours that I do train. Um and I think just practicing with what you use is is very important. Um I've also worked with a sports dietitian to try and figure out how much I need per hour. Um and what to eat pre-race to try and help with stomach issues as well. Um, but it really is a huge learning curve and testing to see what you can do and can't do.
0: And would your food plan change much uh, with the race? Like, Would a 24-hour race food plan be different to say, a 100-mile mountain race?
1: Not really. I, I feel like I take in more nutrition on a 24-hour race. Because you can just because I can and because it's there and I'm usually moving a little bit faster um, than a mountain race. Um, okay, no,
0: no, actually, that's interesting there, no, so I'm, I have to interrupt you. I would have yeah. thought the 24-hour race would be a slower pace than the mountain race. So would that be because the terrain is dictating your pace?
1: Yes, yeah. Um, and I think you're just much more constant in a 24-hour race. So I, I'll know that I'm hitting six and a half, seven miles an hour. Whereas in a mountain race, you might only hit four or five miles in an hour if there's an uphill climb. Um, so I think it just depends.
0: When you're racing or training, would you monitor your heart rate?
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, especially in the, uh, in racing, I try to keep my heart rate under 150, um, especially in the beginning Um once you're about 12 hours in, for me, my heart rate doesn't really matter, um, just because I can't even get to 150 anymore. My body's kind of just adjusted to... Yes,
0: but you're probably so aerobically developed. Right. Yeah. yeah. And do you know what your max heart rate is?
1: You know, not off the top of my head, no.
0: Yeah, but just what you mentioned there about you now finding it hard to go to 150, I can remember a few years ago when I got my max heart rate tested, th- that because... I was doing the 24 racing, that it then became harder to get my heart up to what was my old training zones, and it was actually hard to, I didn't feel that I I was fast enough to get myself to what my heart rate max was. I I was I was tiring out before then, so that might be something that happens with, it might be specific to long endurance events.
1: Yeah, I can definitely see that. Because you're not, you don't need to put out the fast heart rate. Um, It's better to be more consistent and even keeled um, while you're running.
0: Now, when you're doing one of these long races, how do you manage with sleep deprivation? Is that an issue?
1: Um, It can be for me. Um, Usually I cut all my caffeine three weeks beforehand. um, And then... I will have a cup of coffee the morning of the race and then try not to take any caffeine in, in terms of like soda or caffeine pills until mile 50. Um, and then it usually starts small and gets more gradual from there.
0: And do you find that the caffeine will then give you an ergogenic effect? It'll help you to stay awake and stimulate you. Does, does it have that effect you want?
1: It does, yes. And would you
0: ever suffer with GI issues after, after weaning yourself off the caffeine and then taking it again?
1: Um, I think the biggest issue with uh, caffeine for me is needing to go to the bathroom a lot. Yes. Um, just because it, it speeds up the the need to to urinate more. Um, so I've noticed if I've taken a bunch towards the end of the races, I'm I, I need to stop every 10, 15 minutes to pee. Um, that, that's the only downside, but if I'm moving, then that's, that's still okay. Um, but if I'm falling asleep on, on the track or on the side of the mountain, that's not a good thing.
0: Well, yeah, but that, that's very interesting though, because like we, we all have our own little things that we do and it can be, you know, suppose listening to people like yourself, giving away your, your little about secrets or, or things that you do that you just take them for granted but they can be very, very useful to somebody else, especially somebody starting out. And what you mentioned there about weaning yourself off the caffeine, if you drink a lot of caffeine, your body becomes immune to it. You get what's called a receptor downgrading, and you don't have the same effect. So it's not, you could probably, well, if you drink a lot of coffee, you could probably take coffee before going to bed, and it's not going to keep you awake because your body's used to it. So if anybody wants to use caffeine to get the, effect of it as a stimulant you do need to wean yourself off a bit yeah now what would be a typical training week for you if you were i mean in a cycle going in let's say you were two months away from a 24-hour race
1: um a typical training week for me um, i range anywhere from 120 to 140 miles a week um so monday is usually longer speed work day um and then tuesday would be my off my off rest day but usually i still try and walk a little bit on my rest days um and then wednesday would be a four and a half hour long run on the treadmill and with those i try and do at least 0.1 more than the previous week uh, to try and speed up and get more and more mileage in uh those i think are my bread and butter of my training. Um, and that's just con- clipping on a treadmill.
0: And that's quite interesting what you said there about increasing the treadmill distance or speed by 0. 0.1. That's a very, very small increment. But that's similar to way somebody would train in the gym with adding extra weights. It's that progressive overload. I think that a mistake a lot of people make is trying to do too much too soon. And what you do gradually, your body is able to absorb and handle it, and improvement a lot more. So it's quite interesting that you you said that. That most me that to me says that you are quite disciplined. Will that be right?
1: I I, I would I would say so. I also think it's a good mental boost yeah. to see yourself improving week after week, um, mm-hmm. even if that means for those last two miles I'm clipping at a 630 minute pace just trying to get in that 0.1 extra um it it is a good mental boost along with a good discipline okay, that's a great track.
0: tip and how much importance would you place on speed work for a 24 hour runner everyone assume well I suppose those new to the sport probably don't realize that it's not just a case of running slow that's you run a slower pace on the day when you're training, you run a slower pace on the day when you're training, but you do have to put the training in.
1: Yes, I agree. And I think that's the biggest thing that I changed um, from being a normal run of the mill runner to becoming more elite um, within the 24 hour is actually incorporating speed work um, just because your body gets used to say a nine minute mile pace but you're always going to slow down in an ultra. So if you can get your body used to an eight minute mile pace, um, that way with when you're starting at like an 8.45 or a nine minute mile pace, you can hold that longer um, and endure more at that pace than you could just, if you were just only training at a nine minute mile pace. Um, so I definitely feel like speed work has been a big improvement for me.
0: And when you're training for a 24-hour race, would, you, would your long run be more focused on distance or time taken?
1: Uh, I'm more of a, I'm a distance person. Um, and I do most of my long runs on the treadmill. And so I do a lot of uh, fartlek style running. So I'll do like three minutes fast, two minutes easy, or four minutes easy, one minute fast, just to try and keep the boredom at bay, but to also incorporate the speed um that I need.
0: And have you had to replace your treadmill yet?
1: Um I have broken a few treadmills at the gym. <laughs> um and I actually bought a Nordic track uh X22i trainer and I did have to replace that. Um the steel frame broke, which I think was um just an unfortunate coincidence because an, infor- my-
0: an unfortunate coincidence. That's a great line. <laughs> Yeah. Not guilty. My,
1: yeah, not guilty. <laughs> I didn't do it. Um, but because I mean they're they're built for good long runs. Um and I haven't had a problem with my second one, which is great. So
0: Yeah, Katrina Jennings that I mentioned there recently, she was quarantining in the hotel in Hong Kong and she had hired out a treadmill and she broke the treadmill in less than two weeks. She had to get a replacement. Oh
1: my goodness.
0: <laughs> so, that's why, uh, yeah, I'm not surprised to hear you that you did the same thing. So that's that's good. But it's it's great to hear that somebody can use a treadmill for to such effect that you're able to train for a 24 hour racing at such a high level and using a treadmill. Because you you get a you know a lot of people, I suppose they're they're against the treadmill. They call it the treadmill, but I think the treadmill is a great tool. And if you find that if you start thinking of a treadmill as the treadmill it probably means that you're not mentally strong enough to be able to endure those long distances running on the treadmill for a couple of hours, that's similar to what you would be doing running on the the track in that you know the the scenery doesn't change unless you open a door and close the door or put a bunch of flowers up on the table in front of you so it's probably good mentally I'd say
1: I, I definitely agree um especially when I was training at the gym before COVID. Um, it, you do kind of get a different stimuli depending on what, what people are in the gym. Um, but it's definitely a good mental workout as well. Being able to just be there focused um, and stay on the treadmill. Because I think once you start calling it a treadmill, yeah. you're mentally turning off. Yeah,
0: no, no, that's not good. That's okay. Yeah. Now, since you started competing at a high level, apart from breaking treadmills, have you had to overcome any other barriers along the way? Have you suffered with, say, injuries or any other setbacks?
1: Um, I've had a few injuries. Um, I was racing at the Georgia Death Race. um, And I think mile six or seven, my ankle went popped inside and then I rolled it and popped it outside um, and then continued to run the rest of the race on it. Um, And I was in a boot for six weeks after that, because I tore both sides of the ligaments on my ankle. Um, That was a pretty big setback injury. Um, And then I also uh, had a stress fracture in my sacrum at worlds, um, which was very disappointing.
0: That's, that's a lot of injury.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, How do
0: you come back from that?
1: You know, it, it was hard and it's still because I haven't been able to race the 24 hour again. Um, I still feel like I've let myself down and I left Team USA down. And I think that's something that I'm going to need to. Uh, it's something that burns in my heart that I want to get back to the US team and be able to prove myself and to prove that I am a good runner and to put up points for Team USA the next time around. Um,
0: Injuries can be quite tough to deal with. Like it's, You have the physical side of it, but then there's the mental side of it. And it's it's what the injury actually does to you. And I think with your experience, I'd have no doubt that you will have that bounce back ability. And I think the thing with an injury is, is not to rush the recovery either. And it it's just one of those things. I think we all we all get injuries. Well, most of us get injuries at some stage. Well, first of all, rolling your ankle. Like the ankle is every joint is important, but the ankle you it's very, very hard to rest that as a, a runner or a walker. And then as you mentioned, have a stress fracture in your in your sacrum. Like that's a really, really important part of the body for load bearing and Yeah. That's actually quite tough. So hopefully you're on, you are on the men's now.
1: Yes. Yes. I I am definitely on the men's now. And I was patient with my sacrum recovering. Yeah. Um,
0: Especially now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I've been able to, I was able to get one race in before COVID happened. Um, and it was a 50 mile race and I, I went into it telling my husband and my race director and the race director that I'm just going to try and see how it goes. Um, if I feel good, I finish. If I need to drop, I tell you. Um, totally, like, it is what it is. We'll, we'll test and see how it is. And I ended up winning the 50 race. Yeah, well done. So, That's a great comeback. Yeah, definitely, definitely.
0: If you went into a race with that kind of mentality that you were, I suppose, looking at damage limitation, you probably weren't as focused on that as you might have been if you if you were trying to win it. So... It does make it that bit harder because I suppose you're probably hesitant quite a lot. And then if you're leading a race, you will take a bit more of a risk. You know, you can kind of ignore pains. It's harder to pull out when you're leading, isn't it?
1: It is definitely, definitely. You're. I was constantly checking um, if I had pain in my sacrum, but my quads hurt more than my sacrum. And I was like, we're good. Let's <laughs> go.
0: Okay, okay. Mm, that's 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 a good way of working it out. Well, yeah, how bad is it? Well, it's not as bad as this sort of. Yeah. What would you say was your most challenging race?
1: Um, I I love Grindstone 100. Um, it's one of the harder hundreds on the East Coast. Um, it has forty six thousand elevation change. Um, and it starts at six p.m. at night, so everyone has to run through the night um elites um and the common and the regular people um so it puts everyone on an on an even playing field um and it's just hard because the terrain is is not all runnable um and there's lots of climbing um
0: yeah that sounds really really challenging that's almost fourteen thousand meters over 160 kilometers that's if you were living over this side of the atlantic that's what you'd be calling it and that's that's quite a lot
1: yes yeah that is a lot there's a lot of climbing yeah
0: Yeah. whoa what would be your dream race is any race in the states that you haven't done that you would like to do or anywhere for that matter
1: um i it's a guy it's a dichotomy of what i want to do i really would like to do bad water um I was able to crew and pace a friend of mine there, and it was an amazing experience. So I definitely want to go back and do it myself. Um, and I would like to get into Western States just to be able to do it. Um, it's such an iconic race. Yes,
0: because of what it is, yes.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: yeah, Badwater is a race I'd like to do as well. And what about the Spartathlon? Are you familiar with that?
1: Yes, I am. That That is also on, on my bucket list. That'll be a
0: holiday as well.
1: Yes, that that would definitely be a holiday.
0: (laughs) Now, over the years, since you've graduated from college and started doing these 100 milers and then 24 races, what have you learned about your own endurance and your personal limits?
1: Um, I've learned that you can always go farther. Even in my best races or my best uh, times and distances, there are still places where I know that I can improve on. And some of it is mentally improved and some of it is physically improved. I think always asking, can you do more? And how can you do more is a good way to look at it. Um, Because I'm always in search of bettering myself in the run.
0: That year that you ran the 236.364 kilometers, that was with 2018. How did it feel during that race? Like, Were you really in the zone? Did you think you were going to cover that kind of a distance?
1: I was honestly, I was hoping for anything more than, um, 140 miles. I'm not sure how that calculates into kilometers. Um, but I didn't think I was going to do that. Well, um, I knew, I had about a three hour temper tantrum in that race where my, I had a really bad low and I was taking it out on myself. Um, so I know that I can do more if I just push myself a little bit more and didn't focus on how I was feeling and just moved more
0: the distance that you quoted there would have been 225 kilometers so there's a big difference between what you did and what you were planning on doing and 220 kilometers is the international a standard so that's a phenomenal distance that's a world-class distance and you have gone beyond that by almost another another 10 miles during the race did it start crossing your mind that, am I going too fast? Is this too much to can I get this wrong? Because I see a lot of people during 24-hour races that they can say, oh, I was leading for the first eight or 12 hours. But with a 24-hour race, it's not over until it's over. You, you're not leading the race until you win the race.
1: Exactly. Um, there was a lot of self-checking in the beginning. Um, and because it was on a 24-hour track, uh, or a, a track. I was able to see my splits every single lap. And I tried to get around 215 each time going around. And so if I was a little too fast, I'd slow down the next, next lap. If I was a little too slow. I'd speed up the next lap. And then I, I started to incorporate uh, small walk breaks every mile after about 20 miles, just for a, like a carrot to dangle in front of my face and to keep my pace honest. I feel
0: and then your competition was saying, ah, she's walking now. <laughs> she went too fast. And Oh no, she's running again. Ah, oh, she's walking again.
1: Walking, yep, yep.
0: With that race and any the other race, what's your running support network like with regards crewing at these races? Do you have the same people all the time?
1: Um, my husband is my biggest support. Um, he's a wonderful crew person. He has it down to a science Um there i have invited other people to come and help um and when they come and help i have a a nice big spreadsheet and a list of like things they need to do just so that they know um just because my nutrition and my racing is very specific um and i usually have like plan a plan b and if everything else fails we try this um just so that every everyone's on the same page but my husband is my biggest supporter when it comes to these races, um, very selfless, always, always willing to get me to go further and asking if I can do more. Um, and then paying attention to if I am suffering and needing more support.
0: And it's great having someone in your corner that really, really knows you that can make a big difference. Definitely. Especially with confidence. And with your, again, with your support network, with training, would you run with friends or do you run alone?
1: I usually run alone um, and on a treadmill every once in a while I'll hook up with some friends and do do some runs but I I very much am a a treadmill runner Um, if someone's on the treadmill next to me I don't mind talking to them Um, but I I'm not the biggest outside runner and usually that's what you need to to run with friends
0: okay well that's great that you can do so much on a treadmill and still compete at such a high level so that's really really interesting with regard your treadmill running i must actually look a bit more into treadmill training because i don't think it's highlighted enough to say you know how beneficial it really really is because i do think that people knock the treadmill where boy it is a really really useful training tool for an athlete now, you've told me, well, you've kind of hinted at what kind of music you listen to. You're kind of keeping it a little bit quiet, You're only giving hints. You told me what you've been looking at on Netflix. Is there a book you've been reading recently? I'm just kind of curious about your, the mindset.
1: Um, To be honest, I've... Well, I hope you were been... honest
0: now with all the answers now, so come on. Yes, on.
1: Yes, I have been honest with all my answers, but I've been reading a lot of pregnancy books lately just to make sure that I... You're getting event specific. Yes, yes. I'm very, I need to be prepared and need to know like everything that could happen from like the worst case scenario to the best case scenario. So I I feel like I need to read to educate myself on on this new experience and like chapter that I'm going to embark on soon.
0: And this is probably why you have done so well with the running because my guess is now, that when you knew that you had a bit of a talent for auto running, that you didn't just run, that you went and researched it and you tried to educate yourself a bit. So maybe there's a book or something that you have read that has helped you on your journey.
1: Yes. And what was that? I am a big fan of The Mind Gym. Um, I I don't remember who it's by. And then the other book, Oh, it's called The Brave Athlete, Calm the F Down. I really enjoyed that book as well. It, it does throw um, some F-bombs in there. Um, but it, it was a good mental training book to keep your mind uh, keen when when racing. So The
0: Mind, Jim, and what was the other one? Uh, the Brave Athlete. The Brave Athlete, okay. I'll check them out and I'll mention them in the show notes. Okay. So Very you, you notes. can't take that back now. Okay. That you've, you've given those tips away. So they're out there and you can't take them back. Now, before we finish up, is there anything you think might be of interest that you want to mention or share?
1: Um, You know, I, I think ultra running can be open for anybody um, to try just because anyone can run a 24 hour race. Um, you can walk the whole thing. You can sleep, you can run, you can, have a party while you're out there um so i I think ultra running is a very inviting sport um and especially 24-hour running if you want to test your limits and
0: yes i'd have to agree and i'm glad you said that because i really should have asked have you any advice for someone who's thinking of taking up ultra running so you've actually answered the question that i forgot to ask there you go before we finish as well can you just remind me of where you're calling from
1: Yes, I am calling from Springfield, Virginia. It's close to Washington, D.C.
0: Thanks very much, Megan Alvarado, for your time. And I would hopefully see you at the 24-hour World Championships in the near future or maybe some other race. We might even cross paths in Badwater. Uh, that's okay, a race that, that would be on be cool. my bucket list. Yeah, I, I'd like to do that. And yeah, so thanks for your time. And if you enjoy this or any of your podcasts, you might consider leaving a review or leaving a comment and passing on to a friend. Thank you. Until next time.